erotica connoisseurs, we've had a Discord makeover. Feel free to join the server. Patreons will have special privileges, with the ability to access discrete areas, plus mute and kick participants. The following content is strictly designed for the enjoyment of a mature adult audience. Headphones are recommended as these stories are recorded in left-to-right dimensional stereo. Hi, I'm Avril, and you're listening to all the filthy details. The Erotica Communities Podcast. Before we start, I'd like to thank all of our consistent and new supporters on Patreon. What with all we do, our costs can spiral out of control. But we have been adamant in regards to keeping our prices low and offering you excellent value for money. If you're a fan of audio erotica, you should look at what you could pay on some of the major platforms and the limits they impose on you. And then look at our offer. We're joined by our star recommendation winning author George Barrett later. But first, let's kick the show off by listening to an excerpt from the erotica diary of Daniel 2. Transitions. Enjoy. This is a partial story for all the filthy details. Head on over to the Patreon for the full audio. Links are in the description. Helpless and horny, I lay on my back trying to make sense of what was going on. Answers. Hurry up. I want you to tell me everything. She commanded as she pushed her clammy toes around my flaring nostrils. Slightly damp and cold to the touch. Even her bare feet served to keep me aroused within this intimidating moment. Again, why did you RSVP to Edenism H? I thought we were making progress, you shit. She snarled, kicking me in my ribs. Fuck, I cried. We weren't together. They make you RSVP when exiting the event, I desperately let out, looking towards my beautiful tormentor. In a mixture of being cruel and merciful, Danielle pushed her bare foot against my straining erection, forcing it to fold up on my stomach. She slightly worked her toes up and down the shaft as her tone changed. You better not be lying. I'll find out anyway. Tell me everything about what happened there, and I mean everything. She ordered in a calm but menacing tone. Taking a deep breath, she sat on the floor beside me as I stared skyward, trying to recall the details of my Edenism experience. It sounds pathetic saying it, but it was all Tom's idea. Someone approached him with an invitation for this earlier in the year while he was attending another questionable event. He claimed that it was one of the worst kept secrets that most people knew of but he was never privy to entering due to something that happened in his past. What happened in his past? She questioned, while running a soothing hand beneath my loose shirt. I don't know. But whatever it was, it must have been significant, because it was also a part of the prep talk, which convinced me to go with him. I had just split up with Sarah on the back of her catching me screwing Jody, 
her friend who she had me hire to be our housekeeper. I know what you're thinking. I'm scum. But she really put it on me heavily, and I resisted as long as I could. But one day, she caught me at a weak point, and it seems she set me up so Sarah would catch us at it. What made you think that? She asked calmly. I missed a call when I was in the shower. Jody claimed it was Sarah claiming she wouldn't be back until later as something had come up at work. However, she actually made a fake call and used the phony information to entrap me in her narrative that we had time to fool around a bit. I was mortified when Sarah walked in on us. The fallout was horrible with everything, leaving me feeling drained and depressed for ages. So it was around this time Tom had a mini heart-to-heart with me. He told me that a fantastic relationship with a woman who could fulfill my every need was still on the cards for me. He said his actions in the past had scarred him and it might all be too late for him, but he's trying to heal and make things right. Long story cut short, I agreed to go with him to the event. Going to Edenism is like something you've never experienced before. Visually, it was unbelievable. The event we went to was in some castle, so I was expecting it to be dark, dingy, with a medieval theme. I couldn't have been more wrong. Inside this castle was a forest with a stream. They got this Hollywood-type crew to build this incredible environment, to make it feel like you were outside even though you were indoors. They actually had trees inside the castle with fruit on them. Underfoot, real grass carpeted the venue. Above, the space was illuminated with lanterns and projectors which emulated a nighttime sky on the ceiling. Fog machines created a magical-looking haze which added to the mystique. A huge part of this forest was inaccessible to us via a roped barrier. This area was clearly the centerpiece. At the centre of this inaccessible area sat the oracle on a mini grass hill. Clad in a loose-fitting white robe, she sat with her legs crossed, waving at attendees. Coming to think of it, she looked like an angelic version of Baphomet. Around her were her acolytes, mostly naked apart from their crowns made of flowers. They were dancing, playing with each other around this forest and its streams. Her acolytes? Danielle questioned. Her followers, or in this case her prize pupils, the purest of women at the event. They are mostly 19 or 20 and have no penetrative sexual experience. Each acolyte lives within a mansion accessible via a 24-hour live stream, exclusive to each Edenism Deluxe member. They enter this program to learn the art of Edenism and how to be the perfect submissive wife. After a year, the woman will leave or be married to one of the donors who take an interest in them. It's a win-win scenario because these women want a rich partner of their choosing, and these men want a woman who meets their sexual desires. So, Edenism is an orgy built on sex trafficking? Danielle stated. No... These young women are from abroad, but they are there of their own free will. They are getting paid tons. And I don't know if they fully buy into living clean without drink and drugs, but they do look amazing. 
I even quizzed one of these women off the record and they definitely aren't there against their will. Besides, you couldn't script some of the random stuff I've seen them do. Like... Well, two of the girls at the event were playing this crazy game of peeing on each other for a start. And that's what gets you off? Danielle asked as she witnessed my prolonged erection twitch. Gripping it, she rubbed her thumb over the tip, releasing a drop of pre-cum. You filthy shit, she declared, before standing up and nudging away at my penis with her toes. No, Danny, it's not that, I protested. You piece of shit. I loved you and didn't even know who you were. She scowled before walking over to retrieve her bag before returning and positioning herself next to me on the floor. Tell me about the sex, she demanded, clenching around my balls before sliding her hand back to my erection. Okay, I whined. So, believe it or not, a large part of this event was the Edenism H team promoting sexual wellness and healing. So, unlike the free-for-all orgy I imagined things were going to be like... I was singled out to be part of a small group to see the Oracle at 10pm. Basically, the small group of people I was part of was whisked away by two people to a room to be cleaned and serviced based on their sexual preference. It could have been two women, two men, or one of each. In my case, it was two women who brought me into this private space and showered me thoroughly with brushes, exfoliates and body oils. After I was dried, the women sat me down and dropped to their knees, taking turns to suck my penis while alternatively triggering my erogenous zones. I closed my eyes in ecstasy briefly, only to feel one of the women firmly push me back into the chair while allowing it to recline. From this angle, the women then brought my anus into play, licking around the opening, introducing lubricants, and finally prying with fingers all while fellating my rigid cock. The sensation felt unbelievable as they worked me meticulously. The unfamiliar feeling of being vigorously fingered while being sucked was too much. I declared I was going to come, and they acknowledged me and continued until I shot my load in one of their mouths. The other woman produced a vial for her to spit the ejaculation in. They rose to their feet and thanked me. Wait, so you didn't use a condom? Danielle demanded, angered. Not on this occasion. After the shower, I didn't know where to get one, didn't think. I asked them what they were going to do with the cum. They told me not to worry about it. It's an essential ingredient in some sort of oracles, ointments and lotions. I insisted that I didn't want my semen used to create children, etc., which produced a laugh from the pair, claiming that the conditions and exposure were wrong to preserve the sperm. They insisted that I relax and enjoy my time there before they brought me to meet the oracle. Meeting the oracle was... Remember, some of these stories are much longer. Head over to our Patreon so you don't miss all this. Suddenly, jets of cum shoot out of my cock, hitting me on my chest and loosened shirt. Still handcuffed and helpless, I had no choice but to lay with my sticky fluids on me until she was ready to free me. Producing a tissue, 
She kneaded and wiped the last drops of discharge from my now flaccid penis before tipping out the contents of the black velvet bag, plucking out a part and waving it near my face. You see this? This is a cock cage. My cock cage for the penis that belongs to me. You're listening to all the filthy details. <laughs> it's worth noting that our Patreon offer is well worth looking at, especially when considering the value for money you'd be getting. Any subscription opens you up to hours upon hours of hot, steamy erotic audiobooks and exclusive podcasts. You can download your books to be listened to offline or just stream them. Find our link in the description. You're listening to all the filthy details. <laughs> Alluring erotica titles and websites to look out for. Out in the Night by Elena Nix. Someone is watching Becca's house at night. Her only neighbor is also her only suspect. He's abrasive and domineering, yet darkly compelling. Her life has been spinning out of control since he showed up at her door with an orphaned kitten. She tries to keep her distance as mysterious warnings and increasingly erotic dreams keep her off balance. But he has no intention of letting her get away. The Dead Bedroom Remedy, Part 1 Christy Peeps at Tom's Big Secret by James Hardcourt Christy's marriage is in trouble. Can her best friend's kinky secret be the inspiration to turn everything around? When mother of two, Christy Nelson, gets over her shyness to confess her dead bedroom desperation, it frees the two friends to finally talk about sex. The ever-positive Jennifer shares that she and her husband, Tom, have an erotic secret that keeps their passions aflame. But before she divulges that, there is a more pressing concern. Christy isn't fully aware what she's missing out on, and Jennifer has the perfect solution. And then, Christy is going to be the one peeping at Tom, and her best friend's big kinky secret will ignite passion she didn't even know she had. Anne, Christian, and Alex all live in New York City, are all happily divorced, and all identify as bisexual. Join these three queer people in Christian Pan's latest book, On Freedom, as they enjoy hot, ethical non-monogamy in a post-pandemic city. On Freedom, bisexual erotica with a brain, Available in both print and ebook. A young writer, Jessica Sequest, has been chained to a desk in a mirror walled dungeon and made to write erotica for the pleasure of a mysterious stranger, the man behind the mirror. Her book, Mirror Secret Mirror, is said to be published in May. Check out mirrorsecretmirror.com to read some of her intriguing erotica stories for free. Links can be found in the description. You're listening to all the filthy details. <laughs>
We've set up a new Discord server which allows you to keep up with our activities, ask for advice, share your upcoming projects and more. Feel free to join. The link can be found in the description. We're delighted to be joined by our latest star recommendation winner, the sensational fantasy writer of The Sanguine Elf, George Barrett. Welcome, George. You've won our star recommendation for your fantasy erotica title, The Sanguine Elf. For those who are unfamiliar with your title, how would you describe it? What would you say it's about? Without giving too much away, The Sanguine Elf is a smutty dark romance about a vampiric butler named William who falls in love with his master's elvish bride. And the two begin this uh, secret romance amid the various BDSM scenarios that the vampire master foists upon her. You've written a well-received debut. Is the plan now to stick to fantasy erotica or diversify your reach within other subgenres? Well, fantasy's always been my first love and erotica comes in a very close second, no pun intended. But that's not to say that I wouldn't be willing to stretch and try out things, but I think there's so much more I can do within the fantasy erotica genre itself. You seem to have been involved in an anthology project. What was the name of that title? And what was your part about? The anthology is called Dukes of Harem, which is a indie writing project among a group of fantasy writers, science fiction writers, erotica writers, and various combinations of those genres. My part in that was the story, The Hero's Reward, which tells the story of the chosen one named Jack after he's defeated the Dark Lord. And he's left with this question of what now? The answer comes to him in the form of three women, Aridus, a demoness, Muriel, an elf, and Fenevan, a gnome, and the four of them begin this um, polyamorous relationship. What was the most challenging thing about writing The Sanguine Elf? The most challenging part about writing The Sanguine Elf was going back and rereading what I've written without editing as I go. It's a bad habit I'm trying to break, otherwise very little actually gets done. How do you see the lore you've built so far? Are you happy enough to see this book stand on its own? Or are you trying to build a world with connections between each book? I'm actually trying to build the lore of the world or universe around the Sanguine Elf, but each story I'm doing either has a thin connection to something else or it stands in another universe where it's connected to other stories in that. An example of that is the Sanguine Elf stands in its own universe where there are other books coming out that will be connected to it while the hero's reward will be connected to other stories that are set in that world itself. You would still be considered a fairly new author. Which people would you credit with helping you out the most so far? The people I would credit are the ones who helped me out in the creation of the work that I've done. Namely, the first one is, of course, the love of my life, Luna, who is always there, always listens to what I'm making with this curious hunger. Then there's my fellow indie author, uh, Diesel Jester, who taught me to not be afraid of the red pen or what an editor will say to me, to basically keep an open mind to change, move, and shift when it's needed. What are your favorite characters to write? What sort of personality traits do you like to give those characters? 
The kinds of characters I like to write are the ones who are honest about their own desires and sexualities, but big personality, uh, or personality traits I like to put in is humor and kindness, because I think we don't have enough of that in our world, and we certainly need more of it. Which erotica authors do you think we should be looking out for? A few erotica authors I would recommend looking out for are... The first one would be uh, Diesel Gesture with his Fallen Star series, which is a smutty sci-fi, or The Eggers of the Consortium, which is a more um, steamy steampunk. Uh, next in line would be Virgil Knightley, then Misty Vixen, uh, Deacon Frost, and then Lara X. Lust. Have you felt energized enough to start writing a new title? Always. I always feel energized to start anything new, but problem is I still have so many others to work on. Right now I have 19 different story ideas ranging from short stories to novellas to novels that really need my attention and I have to get, get them finished. Can we get an exclusive preview of something you've been working on? Um, I have several stories that are in the works, but one that I'll share with you is called Home for a Christmas Wish. Uh, it's my attempt to parody pretty much every Hallmark Christmas movie ever made. The setup of this story is that you have a man who's lost everything. He's lost his job, he's lost his fiance, uh, he's lost his apartment, he, and then he has to suffer the indignity of moving back in with his parents. But after meeting a man dressed as Santa, he makes a half-serious and half-smart-ass response to what he wants for Christmas. and. In the section that I'm going to read for you is the next morning after this meeting, so, and keep in mind this is a rough draft, so let's not judge me too harshly on this one. Okay. Upon opening the door, he covered his eyes to block out the bright whiteness of the snow, but what he saw confused him. Standing at the door, he saw a tall woman with tanned skin, deep brown eyes, and pixie-cut hair that was dark brown at the roots, but faded to silver and white at the tips. She wore an ugly green Christmas sweater that had reindeer on it and tight, light brown pants. Yet there was one feature that stuck out to him the most. Sticking out at the top of her head were a pair of short reindeer-like antlers that at first made him think they were costume props, but they looked too real for that. The same could be said of the pair of reindeer-like ears that stuck out the side of her head. Are you Ray Adler? The woman asked, smiling, holding a large red envelope in her red mitten-covered hands. I am, Ray answered. Oh, good, she exhaled, placing a hand to her chest. I was worried Santa had dropped me off at the wrong house. Here. Ray took the red envelope and opened it to find old-style parchment on top of a thick stack of papers. The parchment read, To Ray, your wishes have been granted. Merry Christmas, Santa Claus. Beneath that, Ray found a document that read deed on top of it. Confused, he looked at the woman and asked, What's this all about? Oh, sorry, my manners, she said, bowing her antlered head. My name is Maha. I'm the first of your harem. Santa asked me to bring you to your new home, since the others will be arriving soon. How can we follow George Barrett? I have social medias on Patreon, Twitter, Tumblr, TikTok, and Facebook, but I'm the most active on Twitter and TikTok in the promotion of my work. 
with uh, Twitter, it's George Barrett Writer, and uh, there you'll find a link tree to everything else that I've done. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to all the filthy details. <laughs> it's time to hand you over to filth, the erotic book review. Hello, erotica connoisseurs. I'm Di, and you're listening to Filth, the erotic book review. We've got a real treat for you this month, as we have three titles, which, at a glance, appear to be equally as impressive. Where we'd love to sit on the fence and give everyone our star recommendation, what we're going to do is delve further into these titles and attempt to find us a winner. Let's start with our first title, Dirty Cops by Frank Noir. Busting into her over and over until finally Jack heard her whimpering, about to surrender to the inevitable orgasm. Yeah? Omar grunted. You like that? You're gonna come? Oh, Tracy cried. Fuck! Oh. Her trembling hands gripped the edge of the table as a violent climax made her entire body thrash about on the tabletop. Elizabeth put her face next to hers and slowly stuck out her tongue. Tracy opened her mouth and let their lips meet. They kissed passionately while Omar kept savagely hammering his swollen cock into Tracy's quivering flesh. Yes, he finally gasped. That's it. I'm gonna come. With a loud smack, Elizabeth let go of Tracy's lips. Mmm, she whispered. I want to watch. Show me how you squirt. Grunting, Omar pulled his glistening cock from Tracy's cunt and held it in his fist. It jerked and jumped seconds from ejaculation, clear fluid seeping from its tip. <clears throat> he muttered, and finally the first spurt of white semen shot across Tracy's body, spattering her pink fur coat. The next spurt was even more powerful, hitting her chin as well as Elizabeth's pouting lips. Omar roared like a beast, shaken by the most violent ecstasy. Jack stared at them, his cock throbbing uncontrollably. How he wished he could have been in the room with them. Tracy was just his type of suspect. He would have fucked her mercilessly. Fucked her within inches of her life. But now, all he could do was watch. His stiff shaft jumping with frustration. He cursed under his breath. Omar's ejaculation subsided, leaving him sweaty and out of breath. Elizabeth smiled at him lasciviously, licking his semen from her lips. Tracy closed her eyes, sighing. Good work, officer, Elizabeth said. Just one more thing left to do. You. She grabbed Tracy's shoulders, pulling her off the table, seemingly drained of all her strength. Tracy stumbled to the floor, landing on her hands and knees. Ow, she said. Shut up, Elizabeth said calmly. On your knees. Omar stared at them, stunned, his mouth hanging open. What? he began. Elizabeth took his hand, guiding him a few steps forward until his crotch was in front of Tracy's face. Now, Elizabeth said, suck him off. I, Omar protested, I'm sorry, ma'am, but I just, I can't. Elizabeth fixed his gaze at him. Officer? She said sternly, that's an order. 
Tracy, suck him off. Tracy opened her mouth and guided Omar's still half-erect cock in between her lips. Ah, he gasped. Tracy began sucking vigorously, the slurping and smacking sounds even louder than before. Omar's dark-skinned member slid in and out, in and out of her mouth, saliva flying around the shaft. Elizabeth had started masturbating again, her eyes gleaming with lust at the sight. Jack's cock felt stiff as a bone now, pressing hard against the inside of his trousers. Yes, she whispered. Look at that, officer. The little whore is going to make you hard again. You're going to fuck her sweet little mouth with your big fat cock. She's going to make you come again. And you're going to pump all your thick cum down her throat. Omar was gasping for breath, his eyes bugging out of his face, his entire body quivering. She's made you hard again, Elizabeth asked. Hasn't she? Omar let out a grunt of lust and pulled back with a loud pop. His cock slipped out of Tracy's mouth. Hard and glistening, it pointed straight up at the ceiling. He stared at it in amazement. Yes, he roared. I'm so fucking hard. Now take that, you little slut. Brutally, he grabbed Tracy's hair, thrust his bone-hard shaft in between her lips again, and began fucking her mouth in a furious pace. Jack heard her gagging as Omar's member poked the back of her throat over and over. Drool slithered from her mouth, dripping off her chin. Elizabeth masturbated like mad. Her slender this is the story of a ruthless female detective who often weaponizes her sexual appeal to get what she wants. Considering her strength lies in seduction, she finds herself somewhat vulnerable to her lustful feeling toward her handsome colleague. As the title suggests, we're dealing with unscrupulous police officers who are morally corrupt. On Holiday with the Hot Wife by Lily Chase. I couldn't help myself and I begged him to eat my pussy. I tried not to come, but it, ha- it happened in seconds. I couldn't hold back. He puts one hand below her chin and uses his other to rub the head of his cock over her parted lips. Is that a lie? Her lashes sweep down in what looks like genuine remorse. Well, I didn't try too hard. She sneaks a kiss onto his cock and he pulls back, pinching her chin between his fingers. You're forgiven. Open your mouth. She tilts her head and licks him from base to tip, then swirls around the head getting him wet before closing her lips around him and taking him deep. Her moan of joy ends on a slight cough as he hits the back of her throat. Grasping a handful of her hair, he says, Relax for me, sweetheart. You can take more. That's it. Good girl. Another inch. More. Nice and wet. Her hands are splayed on his thighs and he's physically directing her with firm command. I can tell he's pulling her hair, moving her head in a way she gets cranky about when I do it. I'm not jealous, weirdly. It's fucking amazing. Watching him push her like this. 
Jane has thrown open her borders, and it's more naked than I've ever seen her. His teeth are clenched, his body is a chiseled marvel. Those tattoo-littered hands look amazing, fisting her bright hair, and his gritty narration is as lust-conjuring as a magic spell. Sweet little Jane. Fuck yeah. Swallowing that big dick like the perfect slut you are. Look at that skill. How nice you take it when I fuck your throat. You can't get enough. Her hands are pale and slender on those tree trunk thighs, and her ass tenses as she throws herself wholeheartedly into following his cues, both spoken and unspoken. The eager sound of her moaning and wet sucking captivates me. I scoot to the left for a better view when Holden's eyes drop briefly closed. A shiny rivulet of saliva trickles from Jane's mouth, following the curve of her chin. You want to feel me shoot this thick load down that throat, pretty girl? Or should I mess up that paint you put all over your face? His hand tightens and he stops her head from moving, tilting her to meet his steely gaze. She's been taking him so deep that her eyes are reflexively watering, and streaks of mascara and the smoky shadow that matches her irises are creeping down her pale, lightly freckled cheeks. Her pink-stained lips are stretched around his glistening cock. God damn, you look good with my hard dick in your mouth. His forefinger curls beneath her chin, and he pulls his cock from between her lips. Are you ready to put on another kind of show? He runs both thumbs beneath her eyes, swiping away the mascara tears, then leans to pick up the leather belt. Folding it in half, he holds it horizontally in front of Jane's mouth. Take it between those nice white teeth. Just like that, yeah? Now down on all fours and crawl to the bedroom. My heart is pounding in my chest and there's a distinct wet spot in my boxers. I'm afraid to move as my eyes follow Jane. She rotates and starts to crawl away from Holden, slow and deliberate. Fuck, she is so into this. Her expression is wrapped with focus and lust. I doubt she'd notice me if I were on fire. He walks behind her for a few paces. On a Caribbean island, this couple introduces a physically dominant young man into their sex life. The husband reverts into a beta male, while this newly introduced alpha male has his way with his wife with their consents. The action spans a couple of days, and this title appears to be the first of a series of three. At the End of the World by Christian Pan Amber adjusted the driver's seat so she could lean back then propped her left foot onto the dash. I moved my back seat back, too, and looked at her through the smoke. Ember's large green eyes squinting while she squeezed another blast of smoke into her lungs reminded me of an owl. They always seemed wide open, taking everything in at once. Her dark brown hair flowed long and straight, all the way down to her waist, Amber never did much in the way of exercise, but her limbs were strong and lean. She claimed she got this way from growing up by the water, as a kid in Connecticut swimming all the time, 
helping her dad work on his boat, stuff like that. After undergrad, she studied some kind of dance or performance art or something. She told me once, but I don't remember now. Basically, Amber didn't care how her body looked. For her, the body was a functional thing, and good enough so long as it did the things you wanted it to do. We hung out in the car for a minute, passing the blunt back and forth, silently listening to the rain fall on the roof of her car. The pot was making both of us pleasantly high, and it seemed like she needed it a lot more than usual today. Amber took two drags each time she had it, and held in the smoke longer than she normally did. Was she nervous about this trip? Was something on her mind? She leaned forward to look at the rain falling down on the windshield. I think it's gonna be a while, she said, passing me the joint, using her tongue and fingertips. She removed the bits of rolling paper that had stuck to her lips. That's cool, I nodded, smiling. I'm good. Yeah? Yeah, this is nice, listening to the rain and all. She smiled, making a little sound in response. I guess I had given the correct answer to her unspoken question. Pulling a hairband off of her wrist, Amber began gathering her hair up and behind her into a ponytail before she began unbuttoning her shirt. None of her actions were seductive, but I got aroused watching her anyway. She wasn't really trying to tease me. Everything Amber did was a series of simple and necessary tasks, whose goal was always one thing, getting what she wanted. Unbutton your pants, she instructed quietly. I quickly unzipped, then lifted my hips off of the passenger seat so I could help a little bit as she pulled them down to the middle of my thighs, before my ass had even touched back down onto the cold surface of the seat. Amber had shifted position on her side. Her legs were now folded underneath her, and her body was leaning forward towards me. I was only half hard when my cock entered her mouth, but it quickly got more stiff as she began to slurp. Amber made me feel like a teenager again. Everything felt fast and always on the edge of exploding. Maybe this was the thing I missed the most about her, this raw sense of everything feeling urgent and new. Soon, I was gripping my butt muscles, trying to hold myself back from coming too soon. She sensed what I was up to, though, and lifted her head up to look at me. Don't hold back, she grunted. Spit ran down her chin to the head of my dick, which she stroked with her right hand. She wiped the spit away with her tongue licking around my shaft like she was enjoying an ice cream cone. Come in my mouth. Please, I want to swallow it. Without waiting for any kind of answer, Amber swallowed me up again, and I groaned as my cock plunged deeper and further down into her throat. I writhed on top of the seat, watching her head bob up and down more rapidly, her strong lips wrapping around my shaft with just the right amount of friction. I arched my lower back while closing my eyes, afraid that if I kept looking at her that I would lose it but both of us knew that I couldn't hold out for very long, and I wanted to see what she was doing while she was doing it. Amber was so fucking hot. She was my favorite drug, the one that I couldn't ever imagine quitting. 
At the End of the World consists of around five different stories from a small college campus which are all somewhat interconnected in the same continuity. The method of storytelling introduces us to several characters with a diverse approach to their sex scenes. We've asked our Star Recommendation winning guest George Barrett to help us review these titles. Here are George's thoughts. Ooh, what did I think of this month's books? Well, first let's start with Dirty Cops by Frank Noir. This book is a series of stories from different points of view of several police officers who get up to some very crooked sorts of activities. I didn't quite know what to expect when I was getting into this one, but the title was apt. Style-wise, what I like about this story is how it weaves several different characters and stories together to the point that it, it blurs the line between novel and short story collection. I do admit that it was rather gratifying to see the character of Elizabeth turning the tables on these corrupt policemen. Even though in the end, she wasn't exactly a saint or a hero of this story, since she was doing the exact same sorts of acts, but for very different reasons. That being said, no one in the story is wholly good. The gradations in this world of the thin blue line is just, it's staggering. Which is why I do have to say that uh, in the sections that show depictions of total non-consent, it really wasn't for me, but however, I will say to everybody listening that if you're into non-con and reading about highly questionable characters, then I would say this story is just right for you. Next we have Holiday with Hot Wife by Lily Chase. This short story is a real hot burn where we have a man and his wife who are looking for sexual adventure while on vacation and they find far more than what they bargained for in the hotel lounge. I've, I've often heard of stories uh, like this, both real and fictionalized versions, where, um, where couples do this. It has its own level of hotness, but the one thing that kind of stopped me is kind of this disrespect of the third person in this story. He really loves being insulting and being disrespectful, but it seems like that works into a kink that the wife has, being denigrated verbally. So if that's something that you're into, then this will really hit a lot of buttons for you. And on repeat at that matter. There's also this kind of undercurrent of cuckolding since the, the husband was in the room and this alpha male third couldn't help but be domineering to him as well. And this attitude rubs off uh, on the wife and that does so to the husband in his own way. I admit this is kind of not my thing, isn't my thing, but I, I, even I have to admit, with the way the author wrote this, it really ramps up the heat level on it, to the point that it's almost as hot as a cast iron pan with fajitas in it. Now, the final book, um, At the End of the World by Christian Pan, um, this one is very similar to the first book, where it functions both as a short story collection and as a novel. However, in this one, it surrounds a college campus during a party where the theme is called Dress to Get Laid, and as well as part of the campus being called The End of the World. The book weaves between a lot of uh, extraordinarily hot story um, uh, scenarios. First, we have a woman that's dressed like a dominatrix who engages in a bisexual threesome after a disappointing foray into the party. Then there's an art student working on a hundred drawing project and finding inspiration in a very willing source. The third is a trio of friends who help the third fulfill a, a dress-up fantasy for his birthday. 
fourth story is a man who finds a, a silver lining in having a flat tire. And the final story is about an engagement that may not be what either one truly wants. What I enjoy most about this book is um, how it, it doesn't shy away from the spectrum of sexualities. It revels in its diversity, which is such a joy to see played out on page and in the same environment. It's often said that college is, is the time to experiment and broaden horizons, and these stories, they certainly show that to such a, a, a wonderfully polished and professional level. So out of all three books that I've read um, for this, I would say that At the End of the World by Christian Pan is my favorite. We asked Sam to help us review this book also. Here's what Sam made of them. I feel like this is going to be an awkward debut as a reviewer because these books were incredibly difficult to rate. And what makes it worse is they all cost around the same amount. Let's start with Dirty Cops. It's seedy and gritty from the few dubious consent scenes to the admiring colleague driven to masturbate at work. As erotic books go, the plot is engrossing enough to keep you invested while the sensuality is steamy enough to keep pulses racing. There are a few characters of note in this book which leads to large amounts of this title getting pinned down in dialogue, which isn't a major issue unless you're a solo narrator or you're the type of person prone to losing track of who said what. It's a solid effort worth purchasing unless you're sensitive to dubious and non-con. Next, we have On Holiday with a Hot Wife. So many erotica authors are writing Hot Wife at the moment. We were wondering initially whether this was going to be any good or even if this book's title was going to be unique. Fortunately and unfortunately, both statements are true. This book is astonishingly good, with well-thought-out erotic scenes which are paced to perfection. What may not be universally appreciated is the cuckold-type abuse the stag gets in this title. The vixen is all too keen to remind the stag of his shortcomings, and the way the bull figures are built up is similar to a masonic supervillain. This is clearly a must-read unless you're sensitive to abuse-type put-downs. Last we have At the End of the World, a collection of erotic stories from a shared universe, or should I say a shared university? These students attend the same campus which on the surface appears to be a melting pot for increased sexual activity. This reads like a book for the saposexuals among us. Not only is the dialogue balanced with some clever narration, one of the most impressive feats in this book is the idea of one of the men suffering from a hint of erectile dysfunction and how this is combated to save the sex scene. This is an impressive read worth purchasing unless you're averse to reading about younger adults having sex. Having read all these titles, I'm no wiser about which is my favourite book. I love them all equally, which I understand is not what people want to hear from a critic. Breakdown time. Dirty Cops is a 4.1 out of 5. This is probably the best plot and subplot we've seen this month with the Dirty Cops constantly being up to no good. Despite a couple of the team being under investigation, there is no let-up on the debauchery. One of the major subplots even shows that the infatuation our protagonist has for another main character can be weaponized against them. Genre-wise, this ticks a number of boxes from interracial, drama, thriller, and non-consent. The non-consent element is what hurts making this book easier to recommend, unfortunately. On Holiday with the Hot Wife is a 4.2 out of 5. This book is incredibly raunchy, to say the least. The sex scenes are written masterfully, with tension carefully interwoven within the dialogue. 
Considering how many people choose to write this erotica niche, we expect somewhat mediocre attempts most of the time. But this book excels. What would harm this book's universal appeal is the put-down cuckold nature of this book. The parts where the beta male husband is ordered to clean his wife's nether regions with his tongue after another man has left his ejaculation may arouse or repulse readers equally. This is brave writing, which needs to be read to be appreciated. At the End of the World is a 4.2 out of 5. This book really needs to be read and owned to be appreciated. The scenarios are deliciously written with charming flair. Some of these characters embrace each other with a vulgar dialogue reminiscent of juvenile times, which is beautifully interwoven in an intelligent narrative. At times, the book flirts with the edgy narratives, which are justified by the context in which the characters are introduced. For example, a couple may be cosplaying as a religious figure or some historic villain which introduces some questioned dialogue. There's enough diversity between the sex scenes to keep most readers satisfied with scenes that appeal to fans of gay and lesbian erotica alike. So, now the tough decision of who gets awarded our star recommendation. I think we're going to refer back to our guest findings and award it to Christian Pan for At the End of the World. There isn't much between these books. Anyone was good enough to be this month's or any other month's star recommendation. So we are going to recommend giving these all a read. As for our winning title, I think it showed an amazing balance of creating short, punchy, engaging stories and delivering the promise, which is mind-blowing eroticism. Remember, you can find links to all these titles in the podcast description. We'd like to thank all the authors who have submitted their titles for review, and we'd like to formally invite Christian Pan on the next episode as our guest and to help us choose our next star recommendation winner. For authors listening who would like their erotica reviewed on the show, please follow all the filthy details on Twitter and look out for the book review request towards the end of the month. See you soon, sexies! You're listening to all the filthy details. <laughs> That was a hard debut for our reviewer, Sam. These books were extremely difficult to rate. Personally, my favorite was On Holiday with the Hot Wife, but there was really nothing in it. We've had a request to get another Patreon takeover episode done, so Patreons of all tiers will get an open invitation to submit their erotica, product plugs, or segments. We can find a voice talent for those not willing to apply their voices. More info to follow on Patreon. We have some more erotica for you to enjoy. This part of the new series and sequel to Spite. This is from Games by Hannah Cox. Enjoy, sexies. This is a partial story for all the filthy details. Head on over to the Patreon for the full audio. Links are in the description. It's a couple of months later and I'm sniffing the heady mix of perfume and tobacco that lined the Paris on streets from the comfort of my hotel's balcony. What brought me here, you ask? Well, I was at a conference thrown by one of Val's rivals, but I wasn't there to write a piece on their ethics. I was here to make a statement of sorts. So, who was Val's so-called rival? Well, I'm going to call him Gabriel for the sake of this story. Gabriel was one of the most charismatic, charming men you could ever hope to meet. He was known as a serial womanizer, 
despite the fact that he had been married for over ten years to his stunning wife, Amelie. With no children and constant rumors of his playing around, he lacked Val's family man image. But with the stunning Amelie at his side, they were one of the most sought-out dinner guests in professional circles. Okay, that's enough about Gabriel. Let's remember this is my story, and we're back to reminiscing this moment of me enjoying a glass of wine on the balcony and taking a selfie in a bathrobe. Literally moments after getting my pussy eaten. So again, you ask, how did I get here? So like I said before, Nadia was working on breaking Gabriel for several months, but whatever women she threw at him, he'd fuck and disregard every time. Nothing would stick, and none of these women would even mean enough to him. This is where I saw a glaring opportunity. Not one I was comfortable with, but something I was determined to try. Emily must have been aware of the endless mutterings about her husband's affairs. So I worked on getting closer and closer to her. Event after event, celebration after celebration, I found myself on the guest lists and found myself getting closer to her until she one day confided in me about her husband's affairs. We drank Chardonnay as she confessed about how she knew his mistress and had caught him with several women the tabloids had somehow missed. Fast forward to this moment in which we're at the same conference in Paris. As the champagne flowed and the room heated up, I played for time as the predictable chain of events was ever likely to create the opening I desired. Gabriel was going to disappear, leaving Amelie again. Now, just as in the previous book, Spite had an introduction about how I wasn't proud of some of the things I've done. This book isn't dramatically different in regards to sentiment. Although managing to do what I did, I had to have some audacity to pull it off. Pull what off? Well, I managed to seduce Emily. It wasn't easy, but I caught her at the right time and managed to convince her not only was she beautiful and intelligent, and she deserved more. I know what you're thinking, but Anna, you're not even gay. Well, with Nadia in the back of my head, I knew what I had to try and do to get where I wanted to be, so I just went with it and tried to enjoy it. We retreated to the privacy of my hotel room, which was a moment of great anxiety for me, mainly because I didn't want her stumbling on anything that could have identified me as anything else but the fake name I presented myself to her as. Now usually, I pride myself on being the person who paints the most erotic picture of what sexy scenarios my characters are in. But here I was, nervous, and in retrospect, the sex was awkward. Not that I intended it to be that way, it's just how I felt at the time. As we kissed and stripped each other, I froze in disbelief as I touched her, surprised at how moist she was, surprised that I was the one to get her going. Somehow, in my head, this was what I envisioned happening between us. We kiss each other and touch each other until we climaxed. So I held her close and caressed her with everything I had, anxious that she might want to take it elsewhere, which she did. Wriggling free of my grip, she straddled me while lying flat on my back, taking a nipple teasingly into her mouth, before moving on to provoke the next one into a fully erect state. I remember closing my eyes and drifting away as she moved from breast to breast, nipple to nipple, while reaching back to work my clit. Her phone rang rudely, snapping me out of my state of bliss. She fought to ignore it, once, 
twice, until whoever it was didn't call again. At this point, I was a juicy mess ready for a cock, which wasn't coming. However, Emily wasn't done with me yet. She moved down between my legs, licking around my outer lips teasingly before returning to skim my hood. She reached up to encourage me to continue the stimulation she started on my nipples myself, which I thought was odd, but it felt so good. I didn't see the value in resisting. She began catching my clit with cleverly paced swipes of her tongue while introducing fingers inside me. My toes curled as my body tensed. I didn't consider myself to be gay, but the experience was so enjoyable I felt like I had no choice but to come. Opening my eyes, I panicked momentarily, seeing her mouth clenched on my genitals, totally dedicated to getting me off. The feelings were too intense. Was I going to be expected to do this for her? The butterfly of panic evolved into a wave of ecstasy. I was coming, but this felt different. As she increased the pace of her fingers, making beckoning moves inside me. Then all of a sudden I came under her touch and tongue. I remember it felt so different. My body shook in a shivering motion, and part of the mattress was damp. Thanks for joining us once again. Please consider rating this episode on your favorite podcast player. We will see you soon on Patreon with some more fresh content. Thanks for listening. Check us out on Patreon. We have our exclusive podcast, Shh, Extra Filth, and several exclusive long play audiobooks we know you'll love. We'll see you soon.